we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 57 of Urgency of Change. Each weekly episode in this season of the Krishnamurti podcast is based on a major theme of his talks, such as freedom, self-knowledge, authority, beauty and meditation. Extracts from our extensive archives have been carefully selected to represent Krishnamurti's different approaches to each of these universal and timelessly relevant subjects. This week's theme is change. Upcoming themes are consciousness, action and observation. This podcast is brought to you by Krishnamurti Foundation Trust, based at Brockwood Park in the UK. For more information about activities and programmes at Brockwood, such as the Krishnamurti Retreat Centre, Brockwood Park School and more about the Foundation, please visit our website at kfoundation.org. You can also find our daily quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. This week's podcast has five sections. The first extract is from Krishnamurti's fifth talk in Sanan, 1974, titled If You Change, Humanity Changes. If I may this morning... Rather lovely after all these days of rain and clouds. See the mountains, the shadows and the rivers, and the pleasant smell of in the air. I'd like to talk about this morning what is responsibility which is to be answerable To what? In observing, objectively, without any opinion or judgment of what is going on in the world, the recent war, the appalling misery and confusion, who is responsible? are answerable to all this. To really find the right response, which is right answer, we must look at the whole phenomenon of existence. At the one end, you have the extraordinary development of technology, which is almost destroying the earth, 
At the other end, you have what may be called the hope, the demand, the entreatment of God, truth, or what you will. There is this vast spectrum. And we seem to answer only to a very small part of it. There is this vast field of existence, of our daily living, and we, are, we seem to be incapable of responding to the whole of it, not just part of it. And so we must find out for ourselves what is the right response? What is the right answer to all this? If we merely answer are responsible to a very small part of it, which is ourselves and our little circle and our little desires, our petty little responsibilities, our selfish, enclosed movement, if we only respond to that, neglecting the whole of it, then we are bound to create not only suffering for ourselves, but we are suffering for the whole of mankind. Because as we said the other day, our consciousness is its content. And when there is the transformation in that consciousness, you affect the whole of consciousness of human beings. This is a, a fact. It is not an imagination. It is not a theory. It is not a speculative hope. If you change radically the content of your consciousness, you are affecting the consciousness of your neighbour, of your children, of your society, of all the consciousness of human beings. This is so. The second extract is from the second question-and-answer meeting in Madras, 1981, titled, Why Don't We Change? We never notice the morning clouds, the parrots, and their wayward flight. We never notice the dog in the wayside. 
of the ghosts that lie in the middle of the road. Or we never notice the beauty of a tree. And why is the questioner says, do we do not change? What is the root of all this? A civilization like in India, which has probably existed three to four to three thousand years, a culture that has almost disappeared, which has now become extraordinarily mundane. worldly, money-minded, corruption and all the rest of it, why is it that we don't change? If you ask yourself, if you are serious enough, if you ask yourself, why is it I don't change? What is it that prevents us? Is it financial security, which we are seeking, physical stability, that's one point. Is it that we are intellectually, that is, able to discern, to distinguish, to understand, to be critical, to, to sustain Skeptical outlook on life, intellectually, which we don't do. Is it emotionally? We are starved. We are very sensuous people. Sex, pleasure, therefore demand for money, position, power, ambition and all the rest of it. Is this what is preventing us? Because we are all of us, from childhood, from the moment the baby is born, it seeks security, physical, psychological security. It wants to be safe with the mother. If anyone dislikes the mother, the baby feels it. This is being tested out in the West, not here. The question is why, realizing all this, do we not change? Or we never realize this fact. We just carry on in the good old tradition. Rama, Sita, Govinda, and all the rest of it. And our brains have become so accustomed to this pattern of living. So we ref- it refuses to change, because it's very comfortable to live in a pattern. Is that the reason why we don't change? 
He said that we have not enough energy. Both physical, psychological energy. We have plenty of energy. You go to the office every day for the rest of your life. That indicates a great deal of energy. The energy that we waste through <coughs> quarrels, cruelty, indifference. We've got plenty of energy. And again, why don't we change? We know all this. Some of you perhaps have heard the speaker for the last 30, 40, 50 years. And there's very little change. Why? Answer to yourself, sir. Why is it that we are so, we have become so dull? Is it the tradition, your religion, your sacred books? You, I'm asking you, please, investigate with me. Is it that, is it, are all these, are all these the reasons why we don't change? It's natural and healthy to want security. You need food, clothes and shelter. Everyone does. That's natural. And is there security psychologically? which we want. We want security in our relationship. Our intimate or not. We want to be quite sure my wife, my husband remains with me. We are so terribly attached. If, you, if one could understand the nature of attachment and with all its consequences and see the very danger of such an attachment, which denies love, if one really saw that and drop it immediately, then perhaps some change can take place, but we don't. You hear this, that attachment in any form to anything is very, very corrupting, destructive. The explanation, we can go into it, when you are attached to somebody or to a principle 
or to an ideal, to a belief, you are not only separating yourself from another, but from that attachment to a belief, to a person, to an ideal, there is fear. There is jealousy, there is anxiety, a sense of possessive pleasure, and therefore always in a state of uncertainty, psycho inwardly. You know one knows the consequences of attachment. Would you change that immediately, or just listen, fold your hands most respectfully, and turn up the next day when we talk about attachment? Do you understand my question? Why? Why are we so sluggish? You ask it, sirs. One realizes that basically, deeply, one doesn't want to change. And therefore, there are various forms of escape. There are not only drugs, chemical drugs one takes in order to escape from one's narrow, ugly, sloppy life, takes them to have more experience. And have a different, different vision through alcohol, LSD, marijuana, all those things that are going on in this world. Why is our mind so dull that we don't see danger and change immediately? Why? Do a please. Go on, sir. This is real sorrow. You understand? This is real. This incapacity. Bring about a change in ourselves and, and therefore in society, in our relationship. This incapacity makes one not only time bound, but 
we don't flower, we don't grow, we don't move. So what is one to do? Do you want more shocks, more pain, more suffering, to make one change? So, there are those people who say, <coughs> as <coughs> human beings will not change, therefore <coughs> create a society that will control the human being. The communist world, the totalitarian world, the socialist world, The more we are uncertain, as is now taking place in the world, more insecure, we turn to tradition, we turn to gurus or join some political party. All this going on, if you, if you have realised. So, at the end of all this, why don't we change? Do you understand? Why? Is it the utter unwillingness, the utter stupidity? <coughs> when you observe all this, right through the world. It's a very sad affair. This marvellous technology, which is growing at such immense speed, and man cannot keep up with it psychologically, and so it's going to destroy human beings. I don't know if you are aware of all this. So what, will, what are you going to do? Carry on as before? Probably you will. The third extract is from the second talk in Sarnen, 1973, titled The Urgency of Change. Seeing what the world is about us and what we are actually, not theoretically, <coughs> what a world we have created a world of great brutality, division, wars, appalling cruelties, <coughs> suffering. Seeing all this, one feels, if one is at all serious, 
that there must be great change, not only outwardly, but specially within oneself. I do not know if you feel the same thing as the speaker does, how very important it is that there should be this psychological revolution, because every other form of revolution, social reform, little patchwork here and there, has been of no avail. They haven't fundamentally, deeply changed man. And then, and unless man changes himself, he always overcomes whatever the structure be according to his particular conditioning. I think that's fairly obvious, both historically and actually. And if you also feel the urgency, the seriousness of this change, of this transformation, of this revolution, You must have asked, how is a human mind which has created the outward environment, how can that not merely structurally, but how can the outward change be brought about in relation to the inward change, that is, if you see the necessity of this deep inward change of the mind, and if you take it really seriously, then the question inevitably arises, how am I caught in this world, trapped in this peculiar culture and civilization, how am I to fundamentally change. And what is involved in this change? I'm sure you must have asked it. The more serious one is, the more urgent the question becomes. Can this change be brought about by another? by a philosophy, by a new kind of social structure, by a new religion, 
by a new belief. When you put that question to yourself, you have seen whether a new belief has any validity at all. Because all belief, however great, however convenient, is always the outcome of a series of processes of thought. I believe in something, a beautiful ideal. That ideal is the structure brought about by thought, obviously. When you believe in or have faith in something, it is the result of the process of mentation. Will a new structure, socially, economic, will that change the human mind? Or will it make it more superficial, more convenient, more attractive, more satisfying, and therefore will not actually bring about this change. Will a new authority? Obviously not, because any authority, whether however new, is still patterned after the old. So what will change man? And what is there to be changed? If one observes oneself, we are caught in a world of knowledge, of a culture, of a civilization which has conditioned our mind. Our conditioning is the result of a culture, of a civilization. the Western culture, Eastern culture, and so on. That is the result of our conditioning. The culture, the environment, the civilization has produced this mind. I think that we all accept that naturally and logically, if you observe it.
Now, what am I to do? As a human being, living in this world, a monstrous world, with very little meaning, what am I to do? How am I to transform myself? How am I to change radically? <coughs> because I see I have to change radically. Because Everything about me, the way I live, walking, 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 frightened, violence, wars, insecurity, all the religious structure which has no meaning at all anymore, the political chicanery, corruption, seeing all this. How am I to change so that it has an effect on the world and also my conduct, my behaviour, my way of living is totally different? The fourth extract is from later in the same talk, titled Total Transformation. And the problem is, the transformation of the total activity of man If you are vitally interested in it, seriously committed, committed to the solution of this problem, that is, how can the mind, which has been shaped through time, through culture, through civilizations, how can that mind be totally be transformed so that it moves, acts, functions in a different way altogether. If that is your problem, then we can share it together. But if you say, I have a personal problem, which I must solve with my relationship with my wife, with my neighbour, with uh, my... Uh, I have a particular disease, I want it cured, I hope you will cure it, do this. Then we are, we, we are not sharing the issue, problem. But we will share this problem if you and I are completely interested, totally committed in the solution of this. 
for me that's the only problem in the resolution of that problem i will solve all the other problems my relationship with another my loneliness my despair my anxieties fears pleasures the solution of death meditation reality everything is involved in this so if it is your interest your serious intention to go to the very end of it then we can talk this over together like two friends quietly deeply investigating tracing out inquiring and we can only inquire if you are not committed to any other thing but this if your mind is not free you can't inquire you can't investigate but in the process of investigation of the central issue the other problems which you have will be solved whether they be economic social religious personal imbalance and all the rest of it if that is clear then we can proceed and find out together i am not laying down dogmatically or hesitantly but inquiring together in which there is no authority whatsoever neither your authority nor that of the speaker we are together inquiring exploring whether the mind can be totally be transformed this mind that we have whether it is the european mind or the eastern mind with their peculiarities superstitions and the western mind with their absurdities with their technological knowledge is this mind we are concerned 
Now, what is this mind? If you observe your own mind, which is the Western mind, I'm not dividing West and East, I'm talking here to you who live in, who are the Westerners, therefore it's a for convenience sake. I do not regard the human mind as the West or the East, it's a human mind. Now this mind is conditioned by a culture, by an environment, economic, social, climatic. This mind has been shaped. through time, through knowledge, through experience, to face the world, to look at the world in terms of money, power, pleasure and to be able to kill, right? Look at it. Probably Christians have killed more people than any other people in the world. including Genghis Khan and Timberlane and all the rest of that gang. So you are conditioned to kill not only other human beings through scientific warfare, but also to kill animals for your food. And money has become extraordinarily important, the pursuit of money. Because having money gives you pleasure, position, so-called freedom, security. And you have been conditioned religiously to accept an image, transferring all your particular sorrows to that image. Your religion is based on authority, tradition, rituals, dogmas, the infallibility of certain people. Socially, you are seeking power. Competition is very rampant. And you can compete efficiently 
when you have great knowledge. So education is the cultivation of memory, so that you have an instrument of a, which is efficient to kill, to survive. So that is your conditioning, as it is in the East, in a different way. I think there is no question about this, right? That conditioning is knowledge, right? Please, we are. I am talking. It doesn't mean I am the only person talking. We are investigating together. And in this investigation, you see, technologically, scientifically, medically, you have advanced tremendously. But also, you have destroyed the earth. You have killed thousands and thousands of people for an idea or for money or for the exploitation of the earth. You call yourselves Christians. You say you love God and you kill man. This is your heredity. This is your conditioning. And as long as that there is no freedom from that conditioning. There is, cannot possibly be a transformation of the mind, right? So, transformation of the mind implies total negation of this civilization, of this culture. You understand what we are talking about? Total denial of this monstrous culture that made us what we are. Each one fighting for himself. From in this culture we say we must work, change the world, different values, new structure. Why should I work? You say you must work in order to survive which means maintain the structure as it is. And the reaction to that is, I won't work. Why should I work? 
I hope you're all following all this. Life has no meaning as it is now. Has it? You suffer, you're constantly in battle with yourself and with your wife, husband, with your neighbour, with your partner. Conflict, conflict. And your ethic says work. But your ethic doesn't say what is the meaning of life. Unless you find the meaning of life, why should I work? Either to support the structure or the new structure or a new kind of self-denial, you know, what's happening in the world. Why should I work at all? And you are given, the culture has given a meaning to life in work, in the Christian gods. Meaning to life going to the moon, getting, becoming a successful person in the world. Your meaning is out there, and that is losing its significance. These are all facts. And so, seeing all this, made sorrow when I shed tears, not sentimental tears, when I inquired, searched, looked, uh, looked here and there, none of them give the answer. They say, follow me, worship me, accept this pattern of behaviour, work for another, don't work for yourself, be concerned about the society, not about yourself. But all those Statements have no meaning. Because 
one has not found the meaning of life, meaning of existence, which cannot be found in any book, in another, in following a guru, an authority, none of them give you the meaning of existence. You have to find it for yourself. That's what we are going to do. I am, the speaker is not telling you the significance or the meaning of life, but together, and I mean together, like a taking a journey, a walk together, we'll find out. And to find the meaning, not the purpose. Purpose, you can invent a purpose. If you are clever, intellectual, or fairly reasonable, fairly balanced, you can either invent or accept or put together a purpose. The purpose has no meaning. Purpose, the end of life, is totally different from the meaning of existence, meaning of life. The one becomes superficial, whereas if one is really inquiring into the deep meaning of living, then it leads you leads the mind very, very far. So, our minds are conditioned from the moment we are born or previously till we die. And the transformation is the total freedom from this conditioning. And this conditioning exists through the various movements of culture, artistic, religious, technological, political, economic, scientific and all that. Can this mind be aware of this conditioning? Can you be aware of it? Aware in the sense, I mean by that word, to observe, please listen to this, to observe without any distortion. To observe your conditioning, that is your culture, your civilization, all the movements of social, you know, all that's going on in the world, of which you are a part, 
to observe that, to become aware of that. I'm, we mean by that word aware to observe without any distortion of opinion, conclusion, without the interference of your tendency or your particular experience. To, uh, to be aware of this conditioning without any choice, just to watch. And in the, ob in the observation of it, <coughs> you will then deny, if you go deeply enough, totally all this culture. And yet you have to live in this world. That's the problem. You understand my... I hope you are following all this. You know, I'm, to me this is... A, I'm burning with it. How can I, how can this mind, live in this world which is so appalling, so destructive, so meaningless, and turn my back on it completely? And I mean by turning back, actually put away all the rubbish it has put in my mind. Their religions, their attitudes, their opinions, their immorality, their sense of monetary import, you know, the whole of that, the killing. Can I turn my back on it? And yet, and yet live here, not withdraw, run away into some monastery, that's no meaning. I do not know if you ever played that game. Of withdrawing from the world. withdrawing into a monastery or into a room, cutting everything out of it, so that you are, you are, a, you are completely isolated. And if you have ever done it, even for a day or even for a week, you'll soon find out that's not the way out. That's again the movement of thought which in its reaction to this mad, confused, insane world says, I can only solve it by withdrawing it.
So my question is, first, can this mind, which is the result of this civilization and this culture, and therefore has very little meaning, Can, my, can the mind become aware of it, choicelessly, observe, and yet I have to live here, I have to, I have to do things every day. How is this possible? You are following all this? First of all, we must be very clear that the description is not the described, right? What we have described, put into words, is not the thing itself. Are you very certain, clear, that there must be radical transformation? Not have your finger in this social order or in this uh, church or in this sect or in this book or in this total transformation. And third, this mind, which is the result of this culture, this civilization, is the result of that. And to be free of that conditioning, you must totally deny the culture and yet live in this world. Right? Now, how is this to be done? Right? I hope you are following all this. I hope I am making myself clear. I have to live in this world With all the madness around me, this madness which has tried to give a meaning to life, I 
and in the observation of it I see it has no meaning. I have to live with this structure and yet not belong to it in any way. Right? Now, is this possible? The final extract this week is from the third discussion in Sanan, 1973, titled Change Without Ambition. <coughs> Can I live <coughs> in a world that is tremendously ambitious and therefore deceitful, dishonest? Now, how am I to live there? in that world, because I don't want to be ambitious. I see what the result of ambition is, loneliness, despair, ugliness and all the rest of it. Now I say to myself, how am I to live with you who are ambitious? So I say to myself, am I ambitious? Right? Am I ambitious? Not somebody else, not the world. Because the world is me, I am the world. And that's to me a burning reality, not just a phrase. So, am I ambitious? Now I'm going to learn. You understand, sir? I'm going to observe, learn, and find out if I'm ambitious. Not just in one direction, my whole life. Right? Not the ambitions to have a more bigger house only, the ambition to be successful, the ambition to achieve a result, fame, money, and also ambitious to achieve or transform what is into per- perfect state. Hmm? I am ugly and I want to transform that into the most beautiful state. All that and more is ambition, and I watch it. I'm going to watch it. That's my life, you understand, sir? I'm going to watch it with passion, not just sit down and discuss about it. I'm watching it night and day, because I know, I have realized the truth that loneliness is the most terrible thing because it's most destructive in relationship. And human beings cannot live by themselves. Life is relationship. Life is action in that relationship. If in that relationship there is isolation, there is total inaction. I realize that, not verbally, but, you know, a burning reality. Now I'm watching. Am I ambitious to transform what is into what should be the ideal? You said that that's a form of ambition to change what I am into what I should be. Right? Am I doing that? 
that is you. Are you doing that? When I say I, I am talking about you. Don't just escape. I am talking about you when I talk about me. Because you are me. Because you are the world, I am part of that world. So, I watch and I say, yes, I want to change what is into what should be. And I realize how absurd that is. That's a part of ambition given to me by education, culture, tradition, my in the school, A is better than B, copy A, you know, all that business. The religions have said, change from what you are to what you should be. So I realize that the falseness of it, and I totally discard it. Right? I dis- you understand, discarded means I will not touch it. So I accept what is. Wait a minute. I see what is. And I see what is isn't good enough. Right? So how am I to transform it? Without <coughs> the ambition of changing it into something. Are you following all this? Oh, I know you will, but later on when I ask you, you will. I see what it is. I am greedy. I don't want to transform it into non-greed. I am violent. I don't want to transform it into non-violence. But I, that violence must go radical change. Now, what am I to do with it? You are following all this? What am I to do with it? What is my mind, which has been trained, educated, disciplined to be ambitious, violent, and I realize to change that into something else is still violence. So I won't proceed along those lines. And I am left with what is, which is violence. So what takes place? How am I to observe it? How is the mind to observe it without wanting to change it? You understand what I mean? Leave it there for the moment. How am I to change, how is the mind to change this, this educated, sophisticated ambition? Give it complete change so that there is not a breath of ambition. And I watch it, I observe it, all day, not just all day I'm watching how my ambition is acting. Because I'm very serious, because I'm the loneliness is a is a terrible thing in relationship. And I can't li- man can't live without relationship. He may pretend, he may uh, say, I love you and fight each other. 
So, how, am, how is the mind to transform totally the thing called ambition? Any form of exercise of will is still ambition, right? I am observing, all this is observation. I see any form of exercise of will to transform what is violence or ambition is another form of ambition. Right? I have discovered that. So the discovery of it has given me energy. You follow? So I can discard will. The mind says, no, that's not, that's finished. I will never, under any circumstances, exercise will, because it's part of ambition. And I see conformity is one of the educated reactions of the culture in which I live. Conform. Long hair, short hair, short trousers, short skirt, conform. Outwardly and inwardly conform. Become a Buddhist, a Catholic, a Muslim, conform. And I've been taught from childhood to conform. In the class I'm made to conform. A is better than you. You must be like A. Get better marks than A. Right? So I'm forced, educated, compelled to conform. What takes place when I conform? Have you not? I'm a. What takes place, sir, when you conform? No. What takes place when you are conforming? Your struggle, isn't there? Conflict. I am this, and you want me to, to be that. So, there is conflict, there is the loss of energy, there is fear that I am not what you expect me to be. So, conformity, will, (laughs) desire to change what is, is all part of ambition. I am observing this. So, during the day I observe and I say, I will not conform. I'll understand what conformity is. I am conforming when I put on trousers. I'm conforming when I keep to the left side of the road or the right side of the road. I'm conforming when I learn a language. I conform when I shake hands. In India they don't shake hands, they do something else. So I am conforming in a certain direction, 
at certain level, at other levels I am not conforming. Because it's part of isolation. So what has happened? What has happened to the mind that has observed the activities of ambition? Conformity, will, the desire to change what is and what should be, and so on. Those are all the activities of ambition, which has produced this sense of desperate loneliness, from which all kinds of neurotic activities takes place. And as I have observed it, watched it, without doing a thing about it, then out of that observation The activity of ambition has come to an end, because the mind has become extraordinarily sensitive to ambition. It's like uh, it cannot tolerate ambition, therefore becoming very sensitive, it has become extraordinarily intelligent. 